touched a bit in northern Kenya. Um, this is the diocese that I visited with Bill Westfall earlier um, or in September of 2014. And um, we are very blessed to have him with us, showing, um, sharing with us the work that is happening in Kenya, but also proclaiming the word of God to us that we might um, be inspired and sent out on mission as well. Um, so Bishop Rob, thank you for being with us mm. this morning. Praise the Lord. Buana Sifiwe. Try that, try that. Buana Asifiwe. Buana Asifiwe. The Lord be praised. It's great to be with you today and to share with you. We've been around, you might have seen us here and there, uh, but today here we are in this lovely hall to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and to share together. And you know, somewhere in a far-off land, in fact, in many far-off lands, there are people who may look different, but deep down they are human beings like us, desperately in need of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to show you uh, some pictures of the peoples among whom we work. But we want to do it in the context of Scripture. So uh, remember, as we watch... Um, the different challenges these people are facing. And yet within the midst of those challenges, they are still seeking to reach out and start new churches. And remember your own condition, your own situation, and the struggles you are facing with your culture, and nevertheless how you too need and want to reach out with the good news of Jesus. But before I begin, let me bring you greetings from um, the Christians of Marsabit, so receive. If you want to receive them, you, you receive them like this. So this is from Marsabit, which is where Sue and I live, and from uh, Sololo, which is up where Venerable Kambicha lives. And I believe, has he preached here? Well, he's been here anyway. And uh, from Kampicha himself, he knows we're here. Uh, and when Sue and I go back, can we take greetings back? Thank you. Is my wife around? Oh, yeah, she's up there. She's on high today. Right, okay, great. Uh, she's going to control me if I go on too long. So let's have a look at uh, some of the things that are happening. Sue and I. Sue and I have been in Marsabit for seven years as the bishop, uh, but we were out there in the 1980s for nearly 10 down country. Our family, we have three boys, three lovely daughters-in-law, and now three grandchildren, though we haven't seen one yet. So we're looking forward to that. America may seem a big place. It certainly seems big to us, but compared to Africa, it's quite small. You can see it's just up in that northern part. Down where there's a little bit of blue ink is Kenya, and it's about half a million square miles, square kilometers. And Marsabit, that's Marsabit within that uh, area, 120,000 kilometers square, and... South Carolina is 82, so we're half again as big as South Carolina. But no, tar no paved roads, except for one It is snaking up the middle, so uh, Tyler will tell you about the roads another time. So Matayo is the archdeacon, and we're going to show you three different um, areas. Our, our central, that's where we are. We seem to have lost a few there, love. 
uh, we're, we're trying, we were trying to show you the town, which has no tarmac, no paved roads, and is a hubbing with uh, life. But anyway, here we are. Here, this is our cathedral. We'll take it as it goes. Um, okay. That's the team. That's the diocesan office. Four of us. We just gained another for development purposes. If you come and stay with us, stay at St. Stephen's, unless there's only one or two of you, and you'll stay with Sue and I. And uh, this is our training center. We've we're just expanding this very moment. The dining hall, we put in... Uh, oh, it is the new version, uh, the old version, yeah. Um, and the accommodation block, that means, together with other dormitories, we've got been catered for 56 people. And here, we train our people and others come in and use the facilities. Here there are, we have about 50 evangelists. It, we have 15 parishes and over 50 churches which are maybe far away from the parish center. So each church needs somebody as the, the point person. And we call that an evangelist and we gather them together twice a year for training because otherwise they have no training um, and costs about five, five six thousand dollars a week to bring them all to the center with the travel, etc. Going down from the center, from this, the, the main town to Karare, one of our communities on the mountain. Here we are, we're having a rather joyful church service there, full of color. And these are Rendile. All right, okay. Um, and uh, we're trying to do a school, to build a school here, thanks to the German, some German donors, and these kids are learning to read and write much faster than in the public schools. And we have to do it private, because otherwise we lose control, and it sinks in quality downwards. But it does require the parents to accept the fact they must pay for their kids, and that might be a couple of goats a year. And uh, they didn't have to have that, so will they do that or not? And it's been a bit of a struggle. And you are linked with a school in the north of Kenya, Tumaini, and uh, they get some help from uh, American Christians in Pittsburgh. But these ones, we've got to persuade the parents to, to cough up their goats. Moving a bit further down, we come to another town, and these are ladies, these are mothers, and Alice, uh, the big burly one in the middle, uh, she's a Kikuyu lady, but absolutely great. Uh, she goes into their homes and tries to encourage them in bringing up their families as Christians and in Christian marriage and generally Christian teaching. And the women, have, they have no rights at all. They are totally disempowered. Uh, and um, so they have no control over their lives. But through the Mother's Union, they can have a place where they can talk uh, about Christian things and about bringing up their families. Moving further round into the desert, uh, as I say, the first time we went to this, I asked the children to come up for a blessing, and um, all the women came too. So I said, no, no, no need for the women unless they got the nursing children, and they said, but the women and the children, they are the same. So they all came up. It is wonderful, isn't it? Look at all that color. These are Rendiles and Samburus, and uh, we're going to go out 
to one of their church plants. That's their church, but they are trying to plant a church out um, in a really harsh area, Kurkum. There's the vestry, the, uh, the land cruiser door getting ready, and we're going to worship under the tree. And there we are, worshipping under a tree, Kurkum. And again, enrolling some more mothers. You can see how harsh it is behind. As we, as we worshipped, it began to rain, which was a huge blessing because it's such a dry area, but a little inconvenient when you're worshipping together. Uh, try it without the roof on here on a rainy day. So we're going to move round further into the desert, away from that people group to the Gabra nomads. Uh, and this is pure sandy desert. A lot of our desert is lava rock and, um, and brown earth. But here, this is a sandy place. We get, and be thankful you're not a woman uh, in northern Kenya uh, because it's a tough life. Those women will have been up in the hills somewhere trying to find firewood and then bringing it back for cooking. There's an underground lake here, which is why the camels have come here for water. And then they, they can go for two weeks without water. And uh, they'll go out for four, they'll drink, walk for four days, eat or munch for four or five days, come back in four days for a refill. And uh, I'm trying to empower each parish with a, a vicarage, a motorbike, and every evangelist with a, uh, a bicycle, and every church with a building. But time is running out for us. We, we, Sue and I retire next year. This is a young Gabra nomad, but uh, he's really, really good, and we've sent him off for theological college, for theological training to become a clergy. This is now the end of that area, um, and it's a place called Turbi, which is an Islamic town. But we do have a church there which we're building, but it's the end of the Gabra zone, and beyond those hills is uh, the Baran community, which is what Gampicha belongs to. And so when Campicha got stuck down country, he, he couldn't go back through here because this was Gabra area and there was fighting between the two peoples. So if in the end, we flew him back with MAF over the, over the road barriers and roadblocks. And there he is, our friend Campicha. And he deals, uh-oh, right, okay. Uh, he deals with that northern section up on the Ethiopian border. And he's standing outside uh, the parish center. And do you recognize the person speaking? You jolly well should do, but he's not wearing robes on that occasion. Uh, but there's Tyler and uh, we're inside St. John's. And this is the vicarage that you've helped us to complete and uh, the school where you've had some involvement to Myeni Academy, it's got up to class six. Uh, it's doing really, really well. And David is the vicar here at the next door parish, but he, he could only live in Sololo because there was nowhere for him to live. So uh, Bluffton Church have helped provide money for a motorbike for David, so he doesn't have to walk four kilometers every morning but he can ride across, and they've helped us to start to build the vicarage. We've done the foundations. 
They also helped us to um, complete this church at Gollole, and I pray we'll be able to consecrate it uh, when I get back. And right to the far west of uh, his area is Uran. This is the parish center, uh, Emmanuel Church. And behind you can see the Ethiopian hills. But from here, oh yeah, here in Uran, this is a borehole that was dug through Anglican Relief and Development Fund. And there's a beautiful watering place here. This is after the rain, so there's water. And water missions have provided the plant to cleanse this water. Uh, may well be dried up now because there's been a drought and we're praying the rains are coming even as we speak towards the second half of March. Now we're climbing up above the parish center onto the, uh, the hills above and uh, it's a two hour climb to this little remote village of Gecha. It's quite a Christian village, um, but very remote. Sue was the first white woman they, that had visited and behind us, be below is Kenya, behind us is the Ethiopian highlands. So the church is in Kenya, but the outhouse is in Ethiopia. Uh, but there's no border guards. So we're going out from that area. You can see some hills, but that's not quite the same hills. But going out from that area into nowhere. Uh, in fact, to a place called Elebor. And uh, we, they built this little stick church. I think I provided the barbed wire to hold it together. But usually they meet under the rock. Uh, and uh, these are Baran who fled in the tribal violence and twice they've been forced to flee uh, for their lives being chased by the Gabras and this is a Baran area and they feel relatively safe here so that's why we're, this is our top priority for a tree church and which Mount Pleasant uh, are funding uh, when we get back and then to the main centre uh, the main uh, civilized civilized town the border town of Moyale this is a really dynamic community uh, with its own training center which Germans have helped and but the Christians here have helped and a school that's a little further ahead than Tumaini they've actually finished so now they are producing results they're even starting a second stream but they came forth in the district a really good um, dynamic community now we're going south, down to the bottom area. And the, this looks a wonderful church, but actually the roof had only gone on in the, the, the few weeks before the service, uh, because they're still in the process of building. And uh, there people have given goats to be auctioned for fundraising. But not all the churches are like that. This is a church in the area in a, a community called anti-poaching. There's a lot of wildlife around. And uh, this is about to fall down. It leans at a slight angle. It's got holes in it. It should be condemned, but it's all they've got. And so the new vicar there has really um, worked hard. He's in the main town center, but uh, this is his village, and he's enabled them to start building. Um, and there they're they've brought goods and things to fundraise to not like your tea room but uh, they bring they bring goods and they they auction it off for people another of our tree churches at Eremet which is near the top of our list 
um, the tree church at Game, which Mount Pleasant helped to build. And that's a, a lady called Robin Quick, who came with Tyler and uh, Bill Westfall, who was one of your church members. And I consecrated the church about six weeks ago, waiting to go in. Here we are, Christ Church Game. Bang! Let's go in. Great day, you can imagine. And uh, people really, really rejoicing together that the church is there. At the same time as Mount Pleasant gave us some money, Bluffton matched it. And so we've built this church a ton. And 12th of April is in my diary to consecrate this church. Um, so that's very exciting for us all. It's pretty cheap down in the south to build a church, you know, between ten and fifteen thousand uh, dollars. It's a bit more expensive up near Elibor and up in that far north area. Here's another one. We're now amongst the Takana peoples. I think we've shown you Baran and Gabra and Rendile and Samburu. These are Takana, still beads, but different style and different hairstyle. And uh, the Takana are very open to the gospel. Uh, they're not affected by Islam like the northern ethnic groups. And uh, we've got money to build the church here. This is pretty remote. Uh, one of our um, students on um, placement was supposed to go from Archer's Post that we're going to go now to Da'aba here and ask me, Bishop, do I have to go? Because when you walk there, there's a man who's been killed by a lion on the road. So um, I was well taught at theological college. So I said, well, as long as you go in pairs, you should be all right. Um, but uh, here we are at the next door parish, Garamara, with Bishop John Guernsey, who came to lead a mission with us. And uh, this is harsh. You can't grow anything, really, here. So it's pastoralists with their animals. And here we are. I consecrated this church just two weeks ago. Modern transport is weird, isn't it? You can cross cultures. So here we are consecrating the church two weeks ago, March the 8th. And this man, David, their church in Alexandria is helping us to train, to, to do recess theological degree programs for our clergy. And he brought his little girl and a couple of other people, one of whom was Getachew. And um, anyway, beside him is a tall, he's a very tall man, but you can see there's quite a tall lady beside him. She's called Veronica. She has nine children. Uh, she's married to a non-believer, to a traditional believer, a uh, pagan, who has other wives as well. So she struggles as a Christian, but she's pretty tough. And she joined us on the next task. So this is Ololokwe. We've part, note the, do note the, the paved road so you won't be bumped around all the time. We've wanted to climb this mountain for ages and we finally said let's do it and we'll do it uh, as a sponsored climb in aid of Garamara Church. And that's Garamara Church. You can see it's too small. It's a tin church. It gets very hot. Um, and so we've started to build. There we are breaking the ground and we've actually put in the foundations. And we pray that with our climb we'll have enough to get a long way in building the church. And there's a little 
Child, it's a very, very poor area here. And there we are on the top. And you can see one of those cliffs that we saw from the bottom. The vultures roost in that cliff. And we got as close to the edge as we could, which wasn't that close. Um, and we saw the vultures soaring below us, breathtaking. And uh, there's the team. And there we are, high up on top of the world, with the world seemingly stretched out below us. It's not all high. It's not all great. There are huge struggles that people have. And as you went through, I wonder what you, what you saw. The struggles with the, uh, their tribal identity is so strong. They may be their customs that are not good, that uh, are non-Christian, which they may be forced to do. Um, they may have to go off to the traditional services, the great sacrifice ceremony, or they will be rejected by their people. Um, and on the day of the Soril, which is the sacrifice, the churches are much emptier, even though they're not empty, as people try and have a foot in both camps, to be both Christian and within their old religion, which, of course, uh, the Lord is a jealous God. Uh, but he understands, but he's trying to change them, the pressures they face. Then the pressures for the women, because they're so uh, dominated by the male culture, um, the harshness of life itself, the poverty, the struggle for survival. And yet, they do love the Lord. You saw a lot of joy in the pictures outside or in the services. And they are planting new churches. So it's not their physical poverty that results in spiritual poverty. But what is far more difficult to deal with is their ethnic element. And think about what you face. You may think all is normal. This is America. But from outside, we see American Christian traditions being rolled back, pushed out. Um, new moralities are coming in that don't seem to have a biblical mandate. And then Christians who believe that start to take their brothers and sisters to court in direct contravention of Scripture. And you think, what's going on? Uh, and then you've got that, the great American dream, which seems to mainly be fulfilled in prosperity. These are the pressures that you face. And you breathe that. And it's not good for faith. Nor is the air our people breathe good for faith. It is a struggle to hang on to your faith and to grow in it. And in our own human strength, we will be overwhelmed. You will slowly become like everybody else because you will be overwhelmed by the local culture unless your faith is strong enough to stand. Is it? How can we survive? How can we stand as Christians? And I just want to briefly look at those two readings we had. The one from Hebrews. And uh, here we see comforting reading for us, pretty tough for Jesus. Uh, Jesus, who whatever else he's going to do, is to do what the Father wants. And it's going to cost him. 
you can hear he has prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears and it's really really hard he can you can feel the pain of Jesus and yet he has been called to die he has been called to be lifted up he has been called through death to be the source of eternal salvation for all who will obey him and he's a different kind of priest to to the normal you know this, this mysterious priesthood of Melchizedek the man who suddenly appears with Abraham and disappears he never's born he never dies he just is and Abraham pays him homage and Jesus is in that line of someone who is beyond death um, and is perfect and who therefore has become the source of our salvation. So stay close to him because he is the only one who can help us to stand against the tide of secularism and materialism and tribalism and human sin. And then Jesus himself, we see that strange but wonderful passage where the Greeks come to see him. We want to see Jesus, they say. And Jesus doesn't say, great. He says, the hour has come. Did you notice how the Greeks come first to someone they're comfortable with? They come to Philip. Philip's a Greek name. Philip clearly uh, from the Greek side of the young Christian community. Uh, at least some kind of Greek influence in his family background. They come to Philip. And from Philip, they move to Andrew. And Philip and Andrew move to Jesus. Um, I suspect there may be some of you who are easier for non-Christians to approach than others. I, I don't know. Some of you have that gift of evangelism. Others may not. Um, but sometimes it's if you're part of a people but different, they may feel more willing to come to you. So don't shut yourself off in ghettos. Be in the community. Um, and these Greeks, they come... And Jesus recognizes this is possibly what today we might call a kairos moment. Because the Greeks, he's been preaching and teaching amongst the Jews, but the Greeks are not Jewish. And they represent the wisdom of the world. Greek philosophy is even today one of the underpinnings of our Western philosophical construct deeply significant but they have come because they recognize something more they recognize they want to see Jesus and the wisdom that Jesus is now going to show them is not more deep teaching it's going to say father glorify your name and to the cross I must go that is where God is glorified in Christ on the cross and we know that Jesus as he dies on the cross he is lifted on the cross so we saw how he would draw all people to himself so hang on to Christ and not just Christ but Christ crucified and risen because God heard his prayers and was able to rescue him not just from death but through death so if any theology comes to you that downgrades Jesus, you know you're in trouble. You must reject it. 
Ethics and morality, they're painful, but they're not right at the very, very heart. But what is at the very, very heart is to say Jesus is not the only way. There is no other way than Christ and him crucified. And he is the only one who will help us to resist this insidious work of the prince of this world, of secularism, materialism, and all the other isms that want to take us away from Christ. So, stay close to him. Stay focused on him. Uh, Soon I feel very vulnerable out in Kenya if we are not spending time with the Lord, if we don't have our quiet times, if we don't read our Bibles, if we don't pray. And whenever we travel, we always pray because we know how vulnerable we are. It only takes a few days in England before we lose that sense of vulnerability. All these paved roads and garages and AAs to rescue us and, you know, people obey the rules. Uh, there are no bandits around, no wild animals. You know, it's just normal and you can forget. Don't be deceived by the normalcy around you. Recognize the dangers of your culture to your faith just as we must in Kenya and in, in Britain. Stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow his spirit to work in you, to transform you, to transform you. Fix your eyes upon him, who is the author and pioneer of our faith, and who for the joy set before him was willing to go right through the suffering. May that be true for all of us, that whatever the cost, we don't lose sight of the risen, the crucified and risen Lord Jesus. And may the Lord bless you in your ministry as you reach out to the people around and may Christ be glorified here. Amen.